In the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello, dog fans, and welcome to the Sound of Siren podcast, because everything matters. Uh, once again, I am your host, Hooligan7. I'm joined this evening uh, by a, a smaller crew, but i um, joined this evening by DJ K. Woody and J-Cap. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, doing good, man. Go dogs. Doing good. Could be doing better, given the UW situation, but doing good. Always. DJ, what's the beverage of choice this evening? So as what seems like usual is just the water due to some uh, dietary restrictions, but still still going hard with it. All good. <laughs> J-Cap, how about you? Uh, I have got a Brew Doctor kombucha, rosemary, nice. and green tea. Nice. Interesting. I like those. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I had some water earlier, but at the moment while we're recording, I actually have absolutely nothing that i'm drinking so here we go well, there you go i almost gave in i was like fuck it you know watching the basketball game like i'm just gonna start drinking but i held strong i was close man i went to the grocery store on the way home from work before the pod tonight and i stood in front of the beer and i was like hmm, nah yeah I'm i good. do have a stout that i want to try in the fridge i just i'm dealing with a headache so i'm like i'm not gonna try and exacerbate that so real quick uh Moving into our uh, habitual or habitual first segment, skeletons on the field in the in the department, they're still on the court. Uh, we just wrapped up the probably the historically worst uh, basketball season across the two programs in program history. So way to go! Um, which leads right into my fuck the fuck off, and it goes out to our athletic director Jen Cohen. What the hell are you doing, Jody? Win again is currently sitting at a 15% in-conference winning percentage. The University of Wisconsin, immediately after they lost in their Big Ten tournament, turned around and fired their coach. It can be done in a pandemic. Why are you still paying Jody Wynn? It's not going to change. It's never going to change until we get a new coach. Either get tell her to fuck the fuck off, Jen, or fuck the fuck off yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> So let's dive right into the mailbag, and we'll start with a question uh, from uh, one of the the greats on Husky Twitter and uh, Neighborhood Husky. Uh, First question that he sent to us was, uh, who is poised to have a coming out season in terms of production in 21, a la uh, Zion in 20? Uh, We'll go with one offense and one defensive player. Uh, DJ, take it away. All right. I'm probably going to go with, so my defensive one might seem a little obvious to a lot of people we know, but Law too, I think, you know, get, it, once he gets more reps or and once he's healthy, he's gonna get a, he's gonna be a beast. And we've seen flashes of him, not this year, but the year before. And I've heard we've heard nothing but promising and great things about him that he could maybe be our best edge guy over ZTF even. So I think that that would be my breakout guy for defense and offense. You know, given what's happened recently with the wide receiver situation, I'm going to go with McMillan. I, he's going to get a, a lot more reps. That I might have took J Caps, but he's going to get a lot more reps. He's honestly he might even be a starter, which he he should be because he's huge, big time talent. And yeah, and there's a few times this last four game season we had that he had opportunities on some deep balls they're either missed thrown i think he might have dropped one or two but 
yeah, he he's going to be huge, and I expect a, a big year for him coming out. I was going to use Jalen for mine, um, but really any of the young receivers uh, with, like you said, the, the attrition that's been going on in the wide receiver room, um, there's no reason why none of them uh, or why any of them shouldn't be able to, to have a breakout year, especially uh, with another year uh, in spring ball and a year on the field with uh, Demo or Sam, if we want to open up that can of worms. Shout out to at Joe Husky. Um, but uh, um, yeah, Jalen was, was my number one. It seemed like they were kind of manufacturing touches for him uh, with the end of rounds and, and the short throws. Um, and he was right there on, on a couple of those deep ones, uh, either got overthrown or, or went off the hands or, or what it was. But if he can lock it in with, with Demo, uh, I think he'll definitely have a huge season. Um, on defense, uh, Tui Tele uh, is my guy. Uh, he was getting a lot of run toward the end of those last four games. Um, and him just kind of, again, getting more of his feet underneath him, uh, more experience in the system. Um, the entire interior defensive line, which I know uh, Hood Husky talks about a lot in our chat, um, he uh, doesn't feel great about the interior D-line or didn't feel great about how they performed last year. Um, but Tui Tele, I think, is is poised to take that step forward for sure. Uh, so he's my, my defensive guy for sure. I think for me, like, this isn't who I'm necessarily going to say on defense, but I think what we saw, uh, particularly from like Thule in 20, is not what we saw even from Thule the year before. And I don't think it's that he regressed. I think he was dealing with an injury. And he's one of those guys that if he's healthy, he's going to be a great piece for us. And, you know, um, I will say your, your stretch is DJ Lots, who was going to be my guy. I've loved his, his tape and what he brings to us. And, uh, I think I said it, I, I don't know whether it was in the GC or on Twitter in a thread earlier this week that, like, push comes to shove um, for defensive guys uh, or, or, you know, guys that would have aligned to a buck position, you know, give me one of, you know, if, if you'd given me the choice of saying you have KT, who, you know, ended up at that school down south, that backup you, or Latu, I'd want Latu. I think he's a more well-rounded player. Um uh, it's going to push me. I think uh, what I will hope to be again, health allowing, the the breakout player that I see coming uh, is and and is a position of need is going to be Danny Haimuli, uh, the hammer. Uh, he gets back if he's fully healthy, he is going to absolutely explode in our defense, particularly in the pairing with Eddie. Um, elite instincts, explosion, punch when he gets to the ball carrier. Um, I'll also say you know. Uh, I, I might throw a couple of extra names out in uh, not that I know whether these guys would have been mentioned by our colleagues if they were able to join us tonight, but guys that I think we could see flash. Uh, I think Dom Hampton based on the departures of Taylor and Molden is going to have a lot more run and he's definitely got the skills to be a top end player. Uh, DJ, go ahead. And, and then I'll, and I'll hit my offensive guy. Oh no, no, go ahead. I'll wait too when you're done. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I think we've said it a number of times, but uh, number one on the list would be free Cam. Uh, Cam Davis, if uh, if he gets the lion's share of the carries, is going to absolutely explode this year. 
And then I think certainly also with the the attrition in the receiver room, the think the guy I think is going to flash and may not necessarily have. I think Jalen will probably end up with more catches, and they're both score for a amount of touchdowns. Um, I might expect that Rome will be more of not a complementary piece, um, but is going to be more of our deep threat, um, and it'll and probably end up with a higher yards per catch average than Jalen. Uh, so that those are kind of my two guys on the offensive side of the ball, and then also I. I'd love to see Mark Kroger get some run, and, and I think he's going to bring some really interesting things to our offense opposite Cade, and, and I, I, I love the depth in that room as well. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to put out a dark horse that no one's really talking about, and again, based on the wide receiver attrition. Hayden Jumper. <laughs> yeah, we already know he's he's going to be killing it. That's a given. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Freshman Heisman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to make a new award just for him, freshman Heisman. But Taj Davis, I'm going to throw that name out there. Doesn't not talked about. Obviously, he spicy sat take. out. Spicy yeah, take. yeah. He sat out this year and, you know, no, no Ty Jones, no Puka. You know, we could be seeing another transfer or two maybe from guys in there. So, we're going to need some production from a lot of our guys. And I'm not saying he's Taj is going to be number one wide receiver, but, you know, I'm going to go on a limb and maybe say like 30, 40 catches for three, 400 yards, something like that. Like that would be a big year for him. I kind of liked him out of high school and I know he was, he was just a three-star, but yeah, given that I think he might be a little underrated and just not talked about and kind of forgotten, that's, I'm going to go with him as like a no, dark horse. I- and I was yeah, gonna I mention Danny Hammer too. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I I liked Taj's film out of high school. The other one, kind of a dark horse that everybody forgets on be, or forgets about because he's coming back from injury. Um, but is is Sawyer, Sarah Racanelli, good frame. You know he's he's gonna get some run. And then of course we're you know we're all excited about Polk. We love what he what we saw. Um, so I, while yes we have I some think this happened. Yeah, you could get some pretty good. Um, production out of a true freshman in in bez too yep. uh especially with how thin the wide receiver room is and will continue to get um yeah and i think you could you could see ability. him get yeah exactly exactly you're going to see him work out of the slot and uh get a lot of that those short throws and that the run after catch um yeah i mean 30 to 40 catches for three 400 yards for taj i think would be incredible. I think that might be a little optimistic, but I'm with it if it happens, man. Um, but Bez, I think, could do that for sure, too. I, th- I think if that happens, I think Jimmy's going to be wearing a throw-the-damn-ball hat <laughs> this year. Uh, all right, moving on we to all Hood's, Hood Husky's next question. Uh, KB was able to lock up Martin and is one of the primary names that's mentioned when recruits mention Washington. Does he deserve the hate or the um, some of the bad vibes that he gets from, from Husky Twitter? Uh, that's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword, or, or it can kind of go both ways. Uh, I mean, he does get the mention a lot when he's talk, or when we're talking about guys from Texas, and I think there's a little bit of recency bias because he got Martin, who was at Texas A&M, so I guess kind of is is a Texas guy. I don't know. 
not really. Um, but Polk was from Texas. Caleb Berry's from Texas. Uh, Emeka Megwa uh, is from Texas. So, I mean, we're talking to a lot of Texas guys um, until we start to pull more of them. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to credit KB all that much. Uh, I know that we have talked about it on the pod before where his recruiting approach when it comes to running backs is to kind of get his one guy and then put his feet up uh, at the position. I mean, some of that may have to do with numbers where you're only taking one guy or maybe two guys and and that's it. Um, But I think that I will need to see a little bit more out of him to say that he doesn't deserve any of the flack because there have been too many big-time backs that we haven't been in on. Shouts to Bijan and Zach Charbonnet and Austin Jones. Um, So I I think I need to see a little bit more out of KB. I don't think that he deserves as much hate. He's also just kind of a dork on social media, so that might be part of it too with the RC cars and and the skeletons and all that stuff. So um, I think he's a pretty good recruiter. I don't think that he's... A, a world beater or anything by any means, but um, I think he deserves some flack, but not as much as we give him. Sure, yeah, and, and I think I said it in the in the recruiting episode, but I'll say it again. Um, if he closes Megwa and you know and Juvinsky or Juvinsky and one of the guys we've talked about, um, I'm good. That's a great job. That would be two guys, uh, and, and I think you know if, if we see more attrition, whether it's in the receiver room or, or at other positions, if you start to, if we start to think about another running back in the class, um, I think that that could drastically change the perspective on on KB's recruiting, in my opinion. DJ, any thoughts on KB? Yeah, I have a couple thoughts, and I'm I'm with Jacob. Uh, I don't think he. So actually, if you go back to probably in the summer, I was big anti KB guy, or I don't know, I, I didn't like him. I didn't. I thought we could do a lot better. I was too. And so I guess, yeah, I guess he's kind of grown on me. And yeah, I think the development he has is there. The players like him, at least on the team. Maybe not all the recruits. And I I would like to see improvements in recruiting and uh yeah so i don't think he deserves as much hate that he that he's been getting yeah a lot of it because the skeletons the race car toy race cars and all that but i guess i may maybe part of the reason why it kind of changed a little bit again like i think we could ideally get better a better running back coach but the, the way we go about hires I'm not confident in doing that, but I think a lot of it changed when I can see Salvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin killing it in the NFL. And those are, those are his guys he brought in, he developed. And so it just kind of proves again, his development that he has in coaching is, is pretty good. And I don't know if I'll say elite, but it's definitely a way above average for a running back coach in the CA. So yeah, I don't think he deserves as much hate, and hopefully we can see, you know, obviously, the uh, again, I'm not going to pronounce the guy's name, uh, from Bellingham, hopefully we can get him, but... Schlin Baker. Yes, yes, and and another big-time guy, because, I mean, he, he's good at pulling in those under-the-radar guys. What if, 
and we said this before, maybe like, what if he brings in a, a five-star talent running back and he develops him? Like, that's we're talking about a all-pro NFL running back potentially. And so I'd like to see what he can do with a guy, guy like that. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think it snowballs. And I think I hope that as part of his recruiting pitch, he's talking about the success that Miles and Salon are having had in the NFL. Um, and that you can build on that, and then you get another guy that yeah. goes, and you build on it, and you build on it, and you build on it. All right, and the last question from Hood Husky. With the offers going out all over the country, do you think the Huskies benefit more or less from having a more national recruiting footprint when it naturally means that we may sacrifice taking a few in-state guys? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I think it depends class to class. Because, like, if we were offering a ton of guys in 21 all over the country when we had an elite crop of in-state players, and, I mean, 21 is kind of a bad example because we didn't recruit well as it is. Um, but that said, if we're looking at a class that has this kind of elite talent and we're spending a lot of time out of state, um it doesn't necessarily bode well for your ability to get those guys in classes f a couple years down the road because uh, you're not really building those in-state relationships. Um, but, I mean, it does open you up to, to new pipelines of talent that you didn't have before. Um, so, I mean, it takes probably a couple years for those relationships to build and for those to actually start paying dividends. So uh, we saw it towards the end of, of Pete's tenure where we were really starting to get into to Texas and try to get over to the East coast a little bit. Shout to Jackson sermon. Um, but uh, I think you're seeing it a little bit this year too, with uh, miles Pollard, hopefully coming in. Um, but I think it definitely will pay some dividends later on down the road uh, with more guys coming in. I don't want that to come at the cost of in-state guys, but um, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing to be recruiting more guys and more talent from other parts of the country. All right. Shout out Hood Husky for the great question. And it's the last part of the question that gets me. Again, it says, with the offers going out all over the country, do you think the Huskies benefit more or less from a national recruiting footprint when it naturally means we sacrifice a few guys? So if we're saying it naturally sacrifices a few guys, the Washington guys, I might have missed that part, uh, skipped that part, but the Washington guys, I would say, no, it's not worth it. But do I think that those go hand in hand necessarily? No, I don't think so. I think you can still prior, prioritize local recruits. I mean, if we're like giving up a little bit of recruiting maybe in California, I think it might be worth it because I, I think it's good to expand your footprint. And yeah, you're probably going to miss more than you hit expanding it, but at least you're getting some ins and like we're getting some ins in Texas a little bit. And we don't necessarily need to go every state all over the country. We don't need to hit Florida. Like just get a little bit more of a recruiting ground elsewhere, recruiting footprint, I should say. And I'm, I'm for that. But yeah, if it comes to sacrificing recruiting Washington guys, then no. But again, I don't think those necessarily have to go hand in hand. Yeah, I, th I think it. I think it could be done. You know, moderately. I don't think. 
if we started turning into that or turned into the back of you recruiting model of we're going to just toss out offers all over everywhere and spin our wheels and spin our wheels um i don't think that that's a, a great thing obviously yes they signed a great class this year uh, i don't think that's the model that we would want particularly when so much of our, our program would be built in state um ultimately i don't think right now is the point where we can truly evaluate it it's it's how successful that proves to be if we can land if we start landing some of those kids where um you know, if you land a Miles Pollard, um, you get a Ben Morrison out of Arizona, although Arizona is definitely a state that I would very much argue it's in the conference footprint, it's in our footprint. Um, it, it really depends. Like, I will celebrate till the sky, you know, till the sky falls down if, if Miles Pollard commits to us. Um, I, I think that, you know, we're in his top six, which looks good, and then certainly getting into um, having connections in the South is going to be a, that's, that's a huge, um, particularly with some of the demographic changes in the country and, and how the population just in general in the country is shifting. Um, I think that that's a huge thing, um, particularly as, as, you know, some schools or, or as, you know, football turnout in the West starts to, to dip at the high school level. Um, football. <laughs> so um, I think strategically that makes sense. But, mm -hmm. but again, saying if it's to sacrifice you know, if it means we miss, say, from the last class, um, you know, if, you know, the, the next Julian Simon or the next um, Junior Alexander uh, to talk about, you know, with the attrition in the wide receiver room, um, you know, I think the strategy with Junior was always that we were keeping the spot for a Mecca, but when we didn't get a Mecca, we let a, a, a talented in-state receiver go to ASU. Um, so I think it remains to be seen. That's that's where I'm at with it. Um, and, to, and you know, it's, the proof is going to be in the pudding in us actually signing guys and, and then get, you know getting here and being contributors to the program. All right, moving on to our next question. This one came in from uh, Rick Dennett for updates on the wide receiver room transfers. Rick Dennett, well, rum great guy, great guy on Twitter. I would say rumblings nothing concrete um we've there, heard rumblings for months there's a couple yeah yeah we had heard when for it a happens while it happens see more so um i, I don't I want it say, to happen <laughs> and i'm yeah we don't want it to happen uh i would say i i have had myself i can i can kind of call myself out or throw myself under the bus for this one i, I tend to be sometimes a little bit reactionary and like Oh, everything sucks. I'm I'm certainly trying to moderate that. Uh, I do think there's still a, an inordinate amount of talent in the room, and we're not going to be turning to um, to Aaron Fuller and Opera Singer 2.0 at the position. Uh, I would also point to with our system and how we utilize, you know, in most cases or or at least quite frequently, a two tight end set with the talent in that room. We are going to have guys that are going to be able to catch the football. Um, do we want? to see continued attrition from that room no um i think the, the one more thing i would say is i think that if you if there were positions that i would pick to have attrition that's not one of them um i think we've talked it <laughs> maybe not at length but that there's other guys that if they decided to go elsewhere we wouldn't complain about yeah yeah for sure i think that it's it's never a good thing to have guys leaving the program um but at the same time there's 
sometimes too many mouths to feed. And you're right, Hooligan, with how much we utilize the tight end in the offense. Um, I'm not concerned about guys being able to catch the ball when you have uh, Kate Otten or Mark Redman or Quentin Moore or Devin Culp. Um, the latter two, which are kind of big wide receivers uh, that'll line up in line sometimes. Most of the time, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as rumors and, and stuff like that, we've been hearing for a while that we may lose a couple more guys. Um, so, I mean, it's not, shouldn't be anything that's surprising to anybody. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens, but, um, we did use the portal to, to get a really good wide receiver in Jalen Polk at a Texas tech. So, uh, it works both ways. So if, if we're talking about that guy. Uh, rumors, I don't know if you guys seen this, but Austin Osborne's dad on Dogman says that Austin Osborne and Marquis Spiker are transferring. I don't know how true that is or not, but Austin Osborne's dad has been on fuck. message yeah. boards doing wild stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Years. <laughs> yeah. So who knows how true that that is? Because yeah, he seems a little bit crazy, but obviously yeah, he was on Hardcore Husky when yeah Austin's recruitment was happening and like talking mad crazy. Just like, dude, calm down. Yeah, seems a little bit of a crazy guy. So hopefully he's wrong at least with one of those. But yeah, I mean we've heard rumors of transfers happening, and so yeah, we'll see there and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we do, we might be okay with one more transfer, but two more transfers, what would that leave us at seven? Seven, seven guys. Yeah. Seven guys. That's, that's not enough. We're, we're not, this isn't the NFL where we have practice squad guys. We can sign guys off free agency. Des Bryant, who's been, hasn't played this year. Like, yeah, we, you gotta have more depth due to injuries or anything that comes up. I mean, who knows like how. I mean, obviously, COVID is not going to, oh, I'm going to say obviously, but most likely won't be the same. But, you know, there might be still some, like, protocols in place where someone might have to miss a week or two. So, yeah, you never know. And you need at least eight, if not nine yeah. guys, a wide receiver. I mean, you might have to throw out a ridiculously late 21 offer to try to yeah. get someone in really late. Shout yeah. out Zion Scott. <laughs> and uh, I really, I said, Hodge Davis earlier. 40 catches, that would be too much. I'll say 25-30 range would be a solid year. For would be a good year for him. Yeah, I mean, no, after opting out for his, what would it have been, redshirt freshman season? Yeah. Uh, that would be huge. I would love that. And and uh, I was looking at the portal for wide receivers, and there's not a lot out there. There is Theo Howard. Um Let's see. I don't from Oklahoma, who's who was a four-star wide receiver, kind of come out of high school. He's one of the top guys in the portal. One of the only few top guys that hasn't committed somewhere. So, you know, that I, I have no idea if we're after him or in on him, but that could be a name worth watching. Yeah. Could we potentially be seeing two transfers from the University of Oklahoma? Mm, maybe. Ooh, good segue. 
Um, so I think that actually, yeah, it is a great lead into the next question that we got from Pat's King, which is thoughts on how UW has used the portal thus far and how we will use it in the future. Well, I said this when we were previewing the questions, we're using it by letting all our dudes jump into it. Um, so that's not great. Damn. <laughs> um, but so I, I like the way that we've used it for incoming players so far this year. Uh, we got uh, Patrick O'Brien, uh, Jeremiah Martin, Jalen Polk, uh, all of which I think are, are good pickups. Whether Patrick O'Brien ever sees the field doesn't really matter. Uh, quarterback depth was absolutely necessary after we saw Garbers we and Sermon leave. Yep. Um, but Martin I like with, with three years to play two at a position where we won't necessarily need him. We won't be relying on him. Uh, this coming season, I think that he's a great pickup for, for depth and rotation um, to go along with Latu, um, NZTF, and Savelle on the outside. Um, Jalen Polk, we already kind of touched on. Um, getting him as a essentially a true freshman with five years to play four after already playing a full collegiate season is huge. Um, and like you said, we're potentially going to get another transfer out of Oklahoma with Bookie, Radley, Hiles. Uh, we'll see. Greg Biggins on Dogman was saying that he might announce as early as today, which didn't happen, but this week maybe. But but let's shout out our, our special guest contributor, Roman, who had that story last yeah. Friday. So, you know, way to go, I, way to go 247. <laughs> I, I tweeted really on at, top of it. Tweeted at uh, Greg Biggins and, and Scott Eklund. Uh, so they had some splaining to do, but Scott didn't see it because he blocked me last time I called him out on something. Yeah, he's blocked me for years now, too. I think like 90% of our group chat is blocked by Scott Eklund because soft <laughs> as fuck. And surprisingly, maybe he just hasn't heard the episode given my thoughts on him. I don't think I'm blocked by Scott yet. <laughs> really? Check, though. Fuck you, Scott. Block me uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm waiting for it. Bring it on. Um, in terms of how, we'll, man, how we'll use it in the future I mean I think we've touched on it a little bit in previous episodes and shout out to DP I think uh, who was the one that really um, enunciated it well um, in that you know it's it's not something that we want to rely on to fill gaps in the roster or to if we're continually having recruiting misses at positions and like oh well oh shit we need an inside linebacker or oh shit we, we need a left tackle but if there are positions where there's attrition, injury history, I mean, this is a physical game um, where you can bolster your roster and supplement what you have in place. Um, I, I think it, I think this this year has been evidence that um, that we're at, that there at least is some adaption to to the new norm, and so I think it's going to be something that we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be more prevalent in the game of college football in general. Um, so I think it's going to be more prevalent in our program, and if it's not. We, you know, and and we're losing guys the other way, and not bringing them back. You know, bringing other guys in from the transfer portal, we're gonna have big problems. I don't that, and I I agree for the most part with DP when he was saying that, and I don't think we should we should use it to booster depth. Yes, and I don't think we should do it to rely on a guy coming in to fill an immediate need. But I do like because I think the way they're using it, maybe Polk might be different because the situation there, but for the other guys like Martin and then potentially bookie coming in is they're using that to not fill in for depth, 
maybe it's not for that this year, but for the next year, hoping that they will be big contributors and starters. And I'm, I'm down for that, you know, because let them be in the program for a year and get used to the coaches and the area, whatever, the, the whole whole program. And then, yeah, come in and start the following year and be a big-time contributor there. Because we're going to – games change. We're going to have to use the portal more than what we wanted to. And I'm sure what more than Lake wanted to and obviously more than what Peterson wanted to. It's probably one of the reasons why he got out. But, yeah, we got to we got to use it. And I'm glad that we, we started to a little bit more recently. Uh- Come on, DJ. You know that, that it wasn't at the Dogman guys that were saying that the reason that Pete quit was because because of, of fans' expectations and we were too hard on him. <laughs> we were too mean to Bob Gregory. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Fuck you, Kim Grinalds. All right, move, uh, are we ready to move on to the next question? Yeah, yeah I will say on the portal. If you can't recruit traditionally, I mean, you got to recruit somewhere. And with how much the portal is being used, it's like. A second shot at recruiting. Shout out I mean, Oregon it is State. a second shot at. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Oregon State. Shout out. Best team in Oregon. Uh, Utah. Yeah, best team in Oregon. Fuck the they Ducks. They call it the Beaver um, State for a yeah. reason. <laughs> um, Utah's a good Shout team. out to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Utah got a bunch of guys. Shout out Fresno State, dude. They're. Yeah, they picked up a lot of good guys, but the, the portal being. Uh, a second chance at recruiting if you're missing on dudes on the first go round traditionally recruiting um then i don't see any problem dipping into the transfer portal and and getting as many guys as you can get um talent acquisition is talent acquisition to me uh, no matter where they come from especially guys like dj was talking about if you can get guys with multiple years of eligibility um it's not like we're coming in and, and doing the wazoo quarterback thing and getting a grad transfer quarterback every year to play for one season um we're getting guys that have almost entire collegiate careers ahead of them to to play so uh if that's the kind of guys that we're going to continue to recruit i'm all for it uh if we start getting a bunch of one-year players i'm not super into that but um if we need the depth we need the depth so i'm i'm good with it yeah and if those guys come in they were expecting the maybe contribute more the next year. If they come and kill it right away, that's even better. I mean, we right. just shouldn't expect them to be there like, oh, be the day one starter. But, yeah, if they exceed expectations, oh, yeah, that's great. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And uh, I think the next question came in from uh, from Dewey Tweets. Uh, thoughts on McDuffie's underrating or underranking by the PFF draft? UW will stay underrated by all the national media all the time, so I'm not surprised by it. I mean, we don't get... The Pac-12 in general doesn't get the love uh, outside of Oregon. Uh, Shout out to Phil Knight and Nike Money. Um, But outside of of Oregon and USC, uh, West Coast schools don't get get the love or or the respect that they, they deserve. Uh, Utah stays underrated. Cal stays underrated. UCLA stays underrated. UCLA wasn't really that good, but they got some talent on their team. Um, so, I mean, I'm not up in arms about it. I kind of like the the underdog stuff and, and proving it on the field when PFF or whoever it is doesn't give you the, the respect that you should be getting. So, I don't yeah. care. I mean, and shout out to, to them again. Like, I saw something today where they were saying, like, that like the our top returner that came back to turn that turned down the draft 
to come back this year was Eddie, and I'm not saying that Eddie is not a stud, but it's like uh, Kate Otten. Um, you don't think that's gonna that guy's gonna be a one of the first, if not the first, tight end off the board next year? Um, ZTF for that matter, um, with another season. Like I, I think yeah. there's a number of guys. It's just like and and there again again PFF draft today put up a bracket for who's the real DBU. And then, like, I think their next tweet or one of their immediately next tweets was that Washington was, like, fifth or sixth in, in snaps played in the NFL by defensive backs, but Washington wasn't in the bracket. So, um, yeah. It's, you told on yourself. Like, uh, hello, McFly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dewey tweets, a.k.a. Dong, a.k.a. Nine Fingers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> missing his pinky oh, but man. so anyways i didn't actually see the the P- pff draft where do they have him going i don't remember offhand and, and i think this question came in a few weeks ago yeah. um, but i think he, he wasn't one of like the, oh no you know what with... i remember i remember what chart it was uh they listed the top 10 returning defensive backs in college football next year, That's and they right. had him at ten. Oh, okay. I think I remember seeing that. Which is stupid. Criminal. It's criminal. Yeah. Well, he should be top four. Did they have anyone else in the Pac-12 higher? They didn't have Wright higher, did they? Uh, no. I don't know. Let me pull it up here. Just real disrespecting quick. the pack in general, I guess. That's what they'd be doing. So let's see. Uh, yeah, McDuffie CB one. He's he's going he he should be going first round unless barring please no injuries or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, he's a he's a first round talent. Yeah, I think he's, he's shorter than what most his... NFL teams want. So that could be yeah. one you know reason why they don't select him but high. He's not, but he's not Miles Bryant short. He's no. like five ten, five eleven, like five eleven maybe. Just a shade on, but athletic as fuck. I mean, look at the look at the high point. Great ball on the skills. interception yeah. uh, to, to seal it against Utah and, and that celebration, which we might need to temporarily until we have a full-time logo. Uh, we could use that celebration <laughs> as, the, as the Siren Podcast logo. Um, yeah. yeah. I also want to add Dewey, if you haven't noticed, he's a big, big millennial lover. He loves all millennials. He talks great <laughs> about all of them. He loves them. <laughs> He's also very impressed with Boomer's use of Photoshop or knowledge of Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to a question that we got from from Terry Leo: um, Can on-field success in twenty one, like a North Division Championship, save or positive or positively impact uh, the twenty two class and reverse what the way it looks to be trending, particularly with um, the trend toward classes being mostly wrapped up. Or, or mostly in the boat by by August uh, in advance of the, the early signing period. Who wants to, to jump in first? I'll, I'll go. I actually like this question a lot. And because it's people, you know, because obviously we've been struggling with recruiting a little bit. And people are just saying, okay, just wait, wait till the season happens. And wait till we start winning. And everything will change. Or... I mean, obviously not word for word, but that's what it seems like a lot of people are saying. And that that kind of bugs me because, for one, 
you shouldn't just solely rely on that. And, you know, what if, I mean, we're not going to go six and six or anything, but like, what if we go eight and four? I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Like that could happen. If we go eight and four, fire Jimmy. Yeah, seriously. That would be frustrating. But, like, but what if we go eight and four? Like that's not the expectations we have that could impact our recruiting. Then we're just going to bank on everything just to have a good season. And so you got to prepare for everything. You got to, you got to recruit ahead of time, not just say, Oh, here's how, how our offense is going to be. And here's how the season's going to go. And, you know, and there's still a good chance we could go 11 and one. I mean, we went to three straight New Year's six bowls and just had one bad season. And the recruiting wasn't at the same level as it was the three years prior. So like, even if we go like 11 to one, that's not a guarantee with the coaches, the coaches that we're going to have a top 10 or 15 class. And yeah, so I think this is a great question. And I, I don't want to just rely on just having a good season. I want the I want to have a great season and use that as an example. But our coaches putting in work and doing the sales job that they should be doing to get guys in the class earlier before the season, and so maybe they can focus more on the season or focus focusing more on the next class. Yeah, it's that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. So I'm glad he asked that. Yeah, I mean I think a lot of recruiting is efforting and it's and it's relational and and you have to be consistent you have to be diligent and we can't just sit there and say i mean hopefully the nca pulls its head out of its ass and the the, the dead the dead period is lifted at some point in the, in the near future particularly if you know some of the without getting into the politics of it but if if the president about you know having more most if not the vast majority of adults vaccinated by may like the, the recruiting dead period needs to, you know, needs to be lifted. Kids need to be able to get to campus. We need to sell what this university, you know, the coaches need to be selling what this university is about, what the potential is in the program. Um, I think the, 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 the football Twitter account sent it out, I think a week or so ago. Um, I think in like, it was either in the CFP era or uh, under a certain, or, or currently in the NFL, there are more Huskies than, it, or any, than players from any other school in the conference, we got to be selling the shit out of that because it, I mean, yes, that was under Pete's, that was, is the head coach, but the vast majority of the staff is still the same. It's still the guys. Um, so I, I think I would hope that we, we see a lot more recruit, you know, to, to build off of what you were saying, DJ, I would hope we see a, a ton of recruiting momentum before that. Uh, if it takes till then, it's we're going to end up down in the 20s or 30s again, and it's going to be the 23 class where we would really start to see the impact of a 10, 11, 12 win season. Yeah, we're already DBs for 2022. What are we there? We're in on like three guys that are left that are really interested in us. Like they're moving fast, the, the commits and. Uh, no, every year they're, they're moving quick, but yeah, the, the guys that we're in on, I think we have a, a really high a chance of. Yeah, um, I will say that. And yeah. I like them both a lot, uh, for sure. Ben Morrison and, and Miles Pollard. Um, what I will say about the question: um, Can on-field success positively impact or, or save the recruiting class? Um, I don't necessarily take it as as we're relying on it, because um, I mean there should, like you guys said, be effort 
and and resources poured into recruiting beforehand. And we should be getting a lot of guys in the boat uh, before we get to the season. But for a kid like uh, Tobias Merriweather, uh, he wants to see the offense. And if the offense comes out and performs well, then maybe we, we get a significantly better shot at him. Uh, if they come out and, and perform kind of like they did last season and come out kind of flat and, and don't utilize those wide receivers as much as a guy like him would want them to, maybe that's something that, that turns him off. So, I mean, we definitely can be positively impacted by on-field success uh, in those kinds of situations. Um, I think that on-field success in general uh, usually is going to be a two, maybe three-year down the road uh, bump in your recruiting because, I mean, the guys that you're really starting to build the relationship with and guys that are watching your games um, generally are going to be a year or two behind uh, the class that you're currently in with your season. So um, it being able to turn around the 22 class, I don't know. I don't think that's maybe you get one or two extra guys uh, if the offense comes out and opens it up and we get a guy like Tobias, um, then maybe you get a couple guys, but that's not going to turn around your entire class. Um, I think it can positively impact it, but save it. I don't think that's realistic. I mean, I think there's a, yeah, saving it, probably not realistic, but I think there's a good chance that it could have a very good, strong impact on the class. But like I was saying, I don't think we should rely on us right. having a good season. Cause yeah, I mean, if, if we come out throwing and I mean, just our, our offense being a lot better than anticipated and what it has been. Yeah, that could sway some wide receiver recruits, some maybe a running back. I don't know. Like, like it could be very beneficial, but yeah, just we need to do more than just rely what, on that. I think what you could see in on-field success it, with the offensive line in particular uh, and the quarterback, if if we return all five offensive linemen and the same quarterback this season, the continuity. Um, will be something that will help the offense perform at a much higher level. Um, and also the coaches need to be playing the guys that have the most talent. So I don't necessarily want to be seeing Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant when we have Cam Davis and JV on Sunday Adams. and Sam Adams, uh, Caleb Berry could get some run. <sighs> I would love that more than seeing Sean McGrew and Kamari out there. No disrespect to you guys if you listen to the pod. Mm. Thanks, but still, <laughs> um, uh, I think that that playing the guys with the most talent is something that, that we need to see because a lot of these kids, obviously, you want them to come in and work for it, um, but they want to see that they have a shot to play. Um, and if we're not showing that a guy like Cam Davis, who will have been in the program for three years, is going to get a good shot to play. Three years. Then why dude. would why would anyone want to come here if they're not going to get a, a chance to compete when you're running yeah. fifth year and, seniors out there that aren't performing super well anyway? And you we were talking about players coming in early, and you mentioned quarterback. And on our recruiting podcast a couple weeks ago, we had a quarterback that we all liked and. He's already gone. There Penn goes State. Drew Allier. Yep. But hey, it's Kaitenhauser season. Uh, yep. Hey, let's go. <laughs> go. 
Um, I, I, the, the one thing I, I think the the additional point that I that I would say that I would add to that is that I think, um, yeah, I think it can help your class. I think, and I think even in the the playoff year and, and the years following, where we play we played in NY six games, we had the vast majority of the class wrapped up, um, you know, by the early signing period. But there were one or two, three guys at the end that we were still in on, and I think that. You know, for those guys that are waiting either until the second signing day or are deciding right before that early signing period, if you've had success, if you're playing in a conference championship game, you know, if we're sitting here December 10th of this year, uh, headed toward a New Year's Six game and we're in on one of those guys that's waiting until the end. Yeah, it's absolutely going to help you, but you need to have a lot of the class in place. And I think the other piece of it is um, I think it's really a, a different it depends on which side of the ball you're talking about. I think it's a different story. If we have to prove it on the field that we're winning games to a defensive recruit after what we've done for the past seven years, what the fuck are the coaches doing on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I get it because it's a new system. We got to see four games where it was kind of, you know, the offense in the Arizona game looked great. The offense in the second half of the Stanford and Utah games was, you know, was solid and we were scoring points. Uh, shout out to the Duck fans that I was arguing with on Twitter that said that you know we wouldn't have scored ten points if we'd played Oregon. Yeah, way to go, guys. Um, oh my goodness, what? But uh, yeah, I think yeah, I absolutely can understand a recruit like Tobias saying like I want to wait and see. Are they utilizing the wide receivers? How many catches are Rome and Jalen and 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 Terrell getting? Absolutely. But for a defensive guy, our stock is proven. If it's a defensive back, we need to be getting those guys in the boat as soon as possible. Um, I would say that certainly I would hope that, you know, and I don't know necessarily the recruits timetables. We'll need to have Roman back on to talk to it, but I would hope that at least probably like half of our online clash should be wrapped up well before the season, particularly when we're talking about in-state guys, because it's, it's a proven commodity. Um, We had the best graded line in the conference last year. The only allowed pressure all season was an instance where Dylan ran out of bounds like a yard behind the line of scrimmage that's it um so i I think it's a different story i think it depends on the side that's the side of the ball um do we need to see wins and i think will wins be a great elixir for recruit not i won't even say recruiting i think like the fan base with the angst and the agita and the frustration that we all have i think i think it's a carryover from 2019 i think it certainly is for me um we just want to win like we have the talent. We're as talented as a team as we've had in a long time. Just fucking yep. win. Yep. A couple of things to add. So I think that's a great point about the defense. You know, like they don't need to. What do they need to see? We the defense isn't going to change, and even with Gregory. So yeah, we have the pedigree. We have the NFL talent all in the defense. It's all there. Just just reel them in. And second. Who, who are you talking to on Duck Twitter? Are you talking to uh, Duck Twitter? Jared, Matt, De Blasio, uh, fuck all. Shout out all you guys. Laid the um, great. Oh my gosh. It, it, it seems to be. It, it's an ever rotating um, army of idiocy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and then the other thing I was gonna say is we need to start offering more guys. What do we have? I think somebody mentioned. I didn't check the numbers, so I don't. No, for sure, yeah. but I think somebody said like 60 offers so yeah, far. Six, I was going through that with Evan yeah. Feather on yeah, yeah. Twitter. Shout to Evan. Yeah, um, yeah. Like so we have 61 points. offers out in yeah. 22. Well, I guess because we just offered the kid, the defensive lineman. 
Oh yeah. So it should be sixty-two, sixty-three if you count uh, Caden Hauser. But still, um, that's, that's not enough. We need we need to be way more. I know, I know normally we're at like a hundred or so, yeah. but I mean, we need to be more we're than that. We need just, to be at one. Usually, just need, shy of a hundred. Yeah, we don't need to be at the Oregon three hundred level offers for six hundred level babies and shit. But uh, we need <laughs> we should be like one fifty ish, maybe one seventy five at the most. Like I think that's a that's a reasonable range. Like been higher than before because I mean I don't think we offered enough, but I don't want to throw offers left but and on, right. But on, on, on the note of offers, um, and these aren't necessarily all twenty two guys, and actually only one of them is Ashton. Um, Offer Ashton. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> kill somebody. Jesus offer Christ. Gabari. Offer Rashawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. R- offer Jalen. Rashawn, I get. That's a 2024. It's a 2024. Kid. But look at that tape. Like, yeah, look at that tape. If you don't see it, somebody like right we now. offered Savvy when he was in ninth grade. Like JT as well. JT like offer that guy like right now. Yeah, like for sure. Again, we talked about it on the recruiting pod. We have some ground to make up in terms of some of the in-state perception, and the way that you do that is you put those offers out and you put them out right now. Yes, continue yep. to pursue guys across the country, but say, hey, our home state is a huge priority for us. We want you to be a dog. Figure it out. Like I'm saying coaches figure it out. I'm not saying yeah. we should be telling a kid <laughs> to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go Another... to you myself and make uh, a – Offer letter to Ashton right right away. Like this, this should have been happening months ago. It's frustrating. Yeah. Sorry, go um, ahead. Yeah, go. To kind of go off of what uh, what Hooligan was saying a minute ago, um, what do defensive players need to see from us? Um, de- defensive backs in particular. I I want to know what's been going on with defensive back recruiting in general over the last three cycles. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at here. I'm back in 2019 or no 2020 class, 2020 class. Let's see here. Cornerback, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks, Clark Phillips, Aiden Hector. Uh, then you have safety, Xavier Alford, Lathan Ransom, Ryan Watts. Pain. Yeah, lots of pain. Um, I mean, I'm. There are some guys in here that I'm really excited about uh, that we did get, uh, like Mikel yep. or Jacoby. Um, I'm really, really excited about those guys. Uh, and then you have like Zakari in 2021, Dyson McCutcheon, and guys that I'm really excited about there as well. Um, but to see guys like, yeah, you look at 2021 now, Jalen Davies, Philip Riley, Stephen Ortiz, uh, J.D. Coffey, uh, How can we com- compete with Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota, especially when you haven't seen this, the campus yet. I mean, you he must love ice fishing, even though he's from Arizona. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, I mean, again, it's no disrespect to any of the guys that we did sign, and I'm excited about their potential at UW. But some of these high-profile five- and high-four-star recruits I don't know what more we need to show them besides the track record of Jimmy Lake putting elite defensive backs into the league year after year after year after year. And we're going to have two more uh, first two-day picks in the draft yeah. in a month. Yeah, shout um, out Elijah and these Keith. Guys. Yeah, Elijah get, and Keith. Get paid. We're going to be Elijah's a day-one starter Kill it. somewhere. 
I don't know where, but he's going to be best nickel in the country. Time. Period. Absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know what more we need to show him. Every defensive back starter over the last what four or five years has played in the league at some point, or is still playing in the league right now. Yeah. Um, and why we haven't capitalized on that recruiting wise, I don't get it. Uh, we had that one season where we got uh, Cam Williams and Asa Turner and Trent McDuffie all in one class, which is potentially one of the best three headed monsters at defensive back that you'll get in one class or we've ever had in one class. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what else needs to happen. I don't know if it's a, a Jimmy thing or if it's a Will Harris thing or a Terrence Brown thing or just the recruiting department in general, not staffing enough guys. I, I don't remember who put that out there um, that UW only has, what, five or seven guys in the recruiting department where most of the other Pac-12 schools have 15 to 20 guys. Sure. Um, it's it's something that I don't know if you can pin defensive back recruiting specifically on that. Um, it's got to be but, it's but, part but, of it. But Jen said yeah. that, that there's no budget restrictions, that Jimmy can spend whatever he hey, wants. Hey, she said that he has no budget restrictions for assistant coaches. So I don't know if she's in there telling him you can't staff your recruiting department. If that's true, fuck the fuck off, Jen. We already <laughs> got to that but earlier. You, but you fuck can, the fuck off. You can only, but, but it's okay for you to, to get a 60%. You know, I, I understand that the deal was signed in 2018, but it went into effect in 2020. For her to get a sixty percent raise, but hey, we understand that five percent get giving five percent back due to the pandemic. It's all you can Thank do. Thank you, Jen. Appreciate yeah. it. You're a yeah. hero. Uh, and I know one last thing. I know we probably talked way too long about this last topic, but I'll say it again. We get these good players. We develop them, three stars, low four stars. Just what if we get these high four stars and low five stars? Just think of how well we can develop those guys and get them ready for the NFL. And uh, I just wish we could get. I feel like that's that. something that gets said every single class. Yeah. And every every single off season, it's well next year our, our recruiting class is going to be amazing. Top five, top ten, top fifteen, whatever it is, um, and it hasn't ever lived up to that. Whether it's our recruiting department again not being staffed enough, or the coaches are just bad uh, recruiters, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I don't think they're they're bad at at their jobs i mean I, maybe i don't think they're bad i think they're adequate or they're above average but but to take that next step it's you right. have to be elite and it you have to have i mean if forgive the reference but you have to have an absolute dog mentality and right i don't think in, in a lot of cases i don't think we do i think some of them do um shout out scott huff because you i think scott huff is a fucking scott huff fucks ass recruiter um I think Junior, um, I mean, I think Junior got a cup, took a couple of punches to the face this year with, with a mecca. Sure. Um, but I mean, he's proven in it, and like that's the thing that I get really frustrated with about Husky fans. Of like, oh, well, why, why are you holding coaches? You can't expect them, you know, to this standard. And it's like, no, because there's guys on the staff that have fucking done it. Uh, we beat, among others, Notre Dame for Jalen. We beat Oklahoma for Rome. Um, we beat. Goodness knows how many big time programs for the for the guard, hatchet, morale. How many big time schools were after those morale guys? Morale was that, huge. Like yeah, I mean like that's a modern day's a fucking SC pipeline. And Scott Huff went in there and said, "Nope, this kid's coming to Washington." Like 
we can beat big time programs if we fucking try to and don't get in our own way. Yeah, that's my expectation. Sure. Also, Durham Cato has has been really good. I mean, he's he's getting he's after been it. out there putting out a lot of offers, and and you always hear guys uh, in interviews and stuff mentioning how much they like Cato. Yeah. Uh, I know that when Pow uh, Pow was let go and. They were doing the the tight end coaching search, and they announced Cato. Husky Twitter was flaming that hire so much, um, but in hindsight, he's actually been one of our better recruiters yeah. on staff. Um, but to speak to the lack of the dog mentality, I think that kind of goes back to Hood Husky's question about KB: Does he have that dog mentality um, where he's? recruiting the top guys and not just getting the one guy that he zeroed in on that he wants um and then kind of kick him back um i don't know we'll we'll see as it continues to play out over the next couple seasons but uh i i don't think that he does just because of how little we pursued um a guy especially like Bijan robinson um who i i can't remember exactly how it went down but i I had heard, I think through Ruth at Real Dog, uh, that he had had a visit set up and then either UW pulled it or, or we had already gotten a commit from somebody um, or canceled a visit or whatever it was. Or another example of something like that with the Jordan Banks uh, after Savelle committed. I mean, if, if we're talking about having dog mentality, stacking talent and, and getting the best players into your program... Um, dropping a guy just because you have another guy committed in some cases makes sense, but I mean, but if when you look you at have the linebacker Kyler room, fucking Minnie on your team, exactly. That's what I was about to say. When you have the linebacker room that we had, do I want to say we need, should have? Uh, I, do I want us to suddenly turn into a program where where we're kicking players that are productive for us out left and right? No, no. But when a player is not productive for us, find a yeah, better opportunity I, to see the field. Get the step. Yeah, back. exactly. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be encouraging guys to pursue opportunities to play um, if they're not working out with us. And I mean, I don't want to like get on here and start naming names of dudes that need to get the fuck out of here. Um, but I mean, it's it's something that the elite programs do, the Alabamas do, uh, a lot of the like the Ohio States. Do you see guys in the portal from uh, the top tier programs quite a bit when the recruits just don't work out? And there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I don't want to be the the school that's consistently pushing guys out, but uh, it's always about getting the best talent on the field and on the team. So, I mean, if that's what has to be done to to put the best product on the field, then sometimes that's what you got to do. DJ, anything else that you want to add to it? Uh, I think you guys had some good points. I think I'm good. All right. I think we're good. Thanks, everybody. for uh, Thanks, you guys, for, for jumping on tonight. Uh, we will be back soon. Uh, exact scheduling to be determined. Um, before I forget, uh, please, uh, if you enjoy our content, um, please drop us a review. Uh, if, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. Please drop us a review. We will start... Um, 
uh, reading some of those reviews on the pod. Uh, there's definitely a couple that have come in, uh, one in particular that made me laugh my ass off that we'll read on a future episode. Um, we're also available on Twitter, of course, as always, and at soundthesirenpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Hope everybody has a great weekend, a great weekend. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.